0: About the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Well, friends, we have this year the special privilege of celebrating the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord on a Sunday. And it gives us the opportunity to reflect a bit more fully on this very interesting, very important feast. The story of the presentation, you know, was found in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is massively interested in the temple. In fact, his gospel begins in the temple. Remember the story of Zechariah and the angel. And it ends in the temple. The disciples, after the resurrection, going to the temple and praising God constantly. And then throughout the Gospel of Luke, a lot of temple references are made. Well, why was the temple so important for ancient Israel? The temple was, in practically a literal sense, the dwelling of the Lord. Of all the mountains of the world, we hear Yahweh preferred Mount Zion, the locale of the temple. There he had chosen to live. It was the place of encounter par excellence. It was the meeting place of God and human beings. Therefore, at the temple... Israel was most itself, most in touch with its mission to bring the worship of the true God to the whole world. The temple was also a new Eden. If Adam was the first priest in right relation to God, rightly worshiping God, then the temple is a new Eden. The priest in the temple, a new Adam. That's why the temple was covered with symbols of creation. It was the garden restored. In the temple, divinity and humanity embraced, and the human race was brought back online with God. Whenever someone offered sacrifice in the temple, he was turning his life, his mind, his will back to God. He was becoming reconciled. Cilia means eyelashes. Reconciliatio means to become eyelash to eyelash. In the temple, humanity and divinity once again looked at each other. Now, the sins of the nation had compromised the integrity of the temple. God's love and mercy always on offer, but human beings now falling out of right relationship. In fact, things got so bad, according to the prophet Ezekiel, that the Lord's glory left his temple. It's one of the most disturbing and really, really frightening lines in the whole Bible that Yahweh's Shekinah, his glory, got up from the temple and left. Therefore, one of the deepest aspirations of Israel was to reestablish the temple as the place of right praise so that the glory of the Lord might fully return. Now, you can hear this longing in the prophets, you can hear it in the Psalms, you can see it in communities like the Essenes, those who produced the Dead Sea Scrolls. These are people who are trying to live a life of reconciliation with Yahweh. They were trying to, as it were, reestablish the temple in their own lives. Now, in light of all that, listen to something from our first reading today, from the book of the prophet Malachi. Listen, thus says the Lord, Lo, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek. It's interesting, isn't it? To the temple will come the Lord whom you seek. Ezekiel said the Lord had left. Here is the longing of Israel that the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord, would return. Okay, in light of all of this, everybody, when Joseph and Mary bring the infant Jesus into the temple, that's what we're celebrating today, the feast of the presentation of the Lord in the temple, we are meant to appreciate that the prophecy of Ezekiel is being fulfilled. The Shekinah of Yahweh, the glory of the Lord, is returning to his favorite dwelling. He's returning to Mount Zion. And this is precisely what Simeon, the seer, sees. So this beautiful figure, Simeon, this old man, filled with the Holy Spirit and watching and waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Well, see, he's a symbol if you want, of Israel at its best. That's what Israel's done now for centuries, waiting and watching for divinity and humanity to be reconciled. Simeon knew all the old prophecies. He embodied the expectation of the nation. And the Holy Spirit, we hear, had given him the revelation that he would not die until he had laid eyes on his Savior. So listen to him now as he describes what he sees when he takes the Christ child in his arms. Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. That's the famous nunc dimittis prayer, isn't it? Latin there, for now you may dismiss. Now, Lord, you may dismiss your servant. It's prayed, by the way, in Compline, isn't it? Night prayer every night. The church repeats these words. Simeon is echoing the words of the prophet Isaiah, who had appreciated that the Messiah of Israel would be, by extension, the bearer of light to the whole world. God's return to his temple would indeed resonate out throughout the world. You see, Simeon here is summing up all of ancient Israel. He's Isaiah, he's Jeremiah, he's Amos, he's Hosea, he's Ezekiel, he's Malachi, he's all the prophets. Grown old longing for the coming of God. Now he sees it. How wonderful, by the way, that this old man does not, as many old men do, dwell on the past, but rather on the future. He's captivated by this child who will be light for the Gentiles and the glory of his people, Israel. Now, there's more to this story than the return of the Lord to his temple. So that's true. That's true. It's Yahweh coming back to his holy temple. But mind you, he comes to his temple precisely in human form. Indeed in the form of a little baby. The Son of God. "...having taken to himself a human nature, is presented to the Father, and thereby," listen now, "...the human race is brought back online. See, there are two things I want you to see, and they're, they're moving in tandem. God returning to his temple, yes, but also he's returning in human form, which means he's oddly coming up to his temple, as someone who's going to make a sacrifice. The Son of God, having seized humanity, now brings humanity back online. God, as it were, forming us in the right worship of God. Does that make sense? It's the, it's the poetry and paradox of Christianity. This little baby, both divine and human is the reconciliation of divinity and humanity. Therefore, he is the very essence of temple sacrifice. Now, keep pressing, keep pressing. See, this feast has all kinds of resonances. At the climax of his life, this baby, now come of age, would enter this same temple again. This time, he would pass judgment on it and declare his own body as the new temple. A few days later, on the cross, he would perform the final temple sacrifice. Watch, watch, doing the same thing. Offering himself to the Father, even as he bore the sins of the human race. So in this great act of temple worship, he was bringing all of his human brothers and sisters down through the ages, back online with him. Now, a final step. The presentation of Jesus in the temple, which is perfected on the cross, is represented every time that the Mass is celebrated. The Mass is certainly a festive meal. It's the moment when God feeds his people with his very body and blood. And we've explored that before. It's certainly a very important dimension of the Eucharist. But, but, the Mass is also a sacrifice. For it involves the offering of Jesus' body and blood to the Father. The presentation of the Lord that reached its climax on the cross goes on now in our churches, in our temples to this day. The Son, bearing the sins of the world, behold the Lamb of God, we hear. right? The Son, bearing the sins of the world, is presented to the Father. Through him, and with him, and in him, O oh God, Almighty Father, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. The priest says, Does God need this sacrifice? Well, of course not. God needs nothing. But our salvation is affected through it. Our salvation is affected through this presentation by which we are brought back to the Father through the Son. This is why we say with Vatican II that the Mass is the source and summit of the Christian life. It affects even now, applies even now, the salvific power of the cross, which is the climactic fulfillment of the presentation. You know, just finally, the Mass is referred to as Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving. Listen to what Luke says about the prophetess Anna, who was also at the temple on the, feast of the, presenta- on the day of the presentation. Upon seeing the Christ child, listen, she gave thanks to God. And spoke about the child to all who are awaiting the redemption of jerusalem friends that's our task and our privilege even now every time we gather for the eucharist this great act of thanksgiving all of this is implied in this great feast of the presentation and god bless you
0: i hope you were moved today by the word on fire i pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for god and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.